0: What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, this week on the podcast, we have a guest called St. Panther, who I am a huge fan of now, and also very excited about her future. Not only was our conversation great, her performance was amazing, and... Her new EP, These Days, is just wonderful. A very smooth listen, enjoyable from start to finish. I think you guys will like it. I think you'll perhaps love it. It's out on Nice Life Records, which is uh, Ricky Reed's label, who is a huge producer of smash hits. So I think she's in good hands, and we're showing her to you guys very early. And so I hope that you jump on the bandwagon now. The big news this week, of course, is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away, and that is a terrible tragedy. Rest in peace to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm very grateful and happy for all of her accomplishments and for the fact that she spent so many meaningful years in the Supreme Court. That said, I think it's possible to feel multiple ways at one time, and so I'm also upset at our system, I guess, that our entire fucking democracy was hanging on the whim of an 87-year-old woman with cancer, that shouldn't be the determining factor of decisions of our entire Supreme Court. That said, I just, I don't know, the Supreme Court in general, nine people deciding all of the laws of the country or, or whether or not they are just, it just seems wild to me. Obviously, I don't think they should be lifelong positions. Uh, I think there should be term limits for certain. I also wish that RBG had retired after Obama got reelected for his second term. I think if Democrats started to play the long game a little better, you know, she was a 79-year-old woman with cancer at that point. He had four years to where he could have put somebody young in there if we were going to try to play by the rules. You know, so that's a bummer. Like I said, though, RIP RBG And shout outs to all of her accomplishments I'm just, I think two things can be true You know, beyond that I'm also somebody that The older I get The less I tend to believe that With age comes wisdom Because I got some old people in my family And As technology continues to grow At an exponential rate They seem to be more and more lost Every day And if our government is going to be run by people who are all 70 plus years old, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm not going to lie. I have some pretty extreme beliefs about age and politics because I just think like once you're 75 plus, that's just a number in my head. Like once you're 75 years or older, I just don't think That the future should be in your hands anymore You've lived a lot of formative years You've gotten to vote for almost 60 years Let's call it 78 Let's let's say 78 Because then if you've been voting since you're 18 You've gotten 60 years to decide the fate of the country And let's talk like the 75 or 78 year olds now That's the generation that fucked up the earth That's the generation that was like Involved in all kinds of segregation and redlining they created credit credit scores (laughs) people at that age right now they have fucked up the country so it's like i don't know why are we letting people in the twilight years of their life decide our future when they don't really have that much of a future left like man hand over the reins to people that are younger and understand the Simplest things about technology. I mean, Jesus Christ! Look at what Facebook has done to seventy-year-olds. For fuck's sake, it radicalized the whole generation of baby boomers because these motherfuckers don't understand. You know the difference between a Russian troll and the truth. So I don't know. Anyway, that's just what that's what RBG's death had me thinking about this week. Is just that, like, Jesus Christ, our choices between two old coots this election. And like no wonder no one's inspired And beyond that like yeah of course If Joe Biden were A freaking trophy Pig I would still vote for him Over Donald Trump obviously Like this is the worst president In the history of presidents But I mean both of these Motherfuckers are old as shit And so realistically Neither of them should be qualified To run a country if we wanted to be One of the leaders of the world I don't know, man. Let's get old people out of politics. That is Lee Shaner's campaign 2020. But yeah, RIP, RBG, it's a bummer. I'm sure, you know, as Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and Mitt Romney and whomever else talk about like, oh yeah, we shouldn't put a new Supreme Court justice in place during a primary season or in an election year. All of them are going to fucking... Pull that football away like Lucy and Charlie Brown. And when that vote goes to the floor, I guarantee you, Murkowski, Collins, and Romney will not be heroes. And we will end up with some super conservative fucking Supreme Court justice in there for life. And immediately, Roe versus Wade is going to be eliminated. Immediately, the ACA or the AHCA will be eliminated. I mean, we're just headed towards fucking The Handmaid's Tale. So yeah, that's where my head's at right now. It's a bummer. Sorry, my bad. But the good news is we had a great guest this week in St. Panther. Yeah, you know the drill. If you haven't heard the EP these days, press pause on this. Play that first for about a half an hour and then come back and learn more about her how about that or as soon as this is done go listen to that ap because it is it is marvelous and it is the first in a long uh in illustrious career i'm sure so without further ado here is my conversation with saint panther had some uber issues
1: oh yeah it was nice getting here
0: coming from where
1: (coughs) from irvine so like an hour down south
0: oh my god you live in irvine yeah bro hold on something spicy just hit the back of my throat give me a second oh let's go (coughs) i just tried mcdonald's spicy nuggets for the first time whoa yeah how are those not bad, not great. I mean, they're McDonald's, like, you know. Yeah, it's a McDonald's. It was just, I was in a rush to get here, and so I was like, I'm going to grab some dinner, and it happened to be McDonald's Spicy Nuggets.
1: That sounds so Maybe good. Maybe I'll have to
0: take a bathroom break in the middle of this. Who knows? McDonald's will do that to you. You never know. Did you grow up in Irvine? Yeah, man. How's I was born that?
1: there. It was weird. It was, like, so quiet, so, like, naturally, you know, I got into music, because it was, like, the only fun over there.
0: Yeah, for people that aren't from Southern California, break down kind of the Irvine vibe
1: so Irvine is like a suburb that kind of has like some business city overtones to it so it looks like just a airport pit stop kind of town it's yeah like, like
0: kind of lots of random office skyscrapers yeah. that are not close to each other really yeah they like have that.
1: nothing to do with each other they're just all there and then the rest of Irvine is just like the same looking suburb copied like in different areas and like a
0: few malls sprinkled in between yeah yeah Yeah. that was it music was the only escape in irvine or did you have other stuff growing up
1: i mean we had like skating and stuff like that you know where like you go out with your homies and you skate and you find like cool locations to like go hang out but for me i was just staying inside and recording for the most part
0: really like even just as a little child
1: well, I mean, I went to go hang out with my friends, man. Yeah. Like, I, I had a life, but, like, you know, yeah, even as a kid, I was playing music. At she home. said,
0: I had a life until music. I
1: promise you, <laughs> I had a life before this.
0: How did you guys end up in Irvine?
1: Oh, man. Okay. My fam, my mom's from, like, Colombia. My dad's from Mexico. So they both, like, immigrated here and were, like, in their advertising agency, Grind. And they were, like, creative directors. And, like, oh, wow. Yeah, so... I mean, I was born in Newport, like, you know, my mother gave birth in Newport and then, you know.
0: You just got Orange County in the veins, baby.
1: Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I'm I sad to claim it right now,
0: you know. as It's of a res- tough spot to be. It's a tough fun.
1: spot to be, but, you know. I mean, I turned out okay, I guess.
0: Yeah, you seem like you turned out all right. Yeah, I hope so. So, your both of your parents uh immigrated here and how did they meet? They met at the agency or did they know each other prior?
1: Yo, they met at the agency and my dad was my mom's boss.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: so then That they, sounds
0: inappropriate, but it all worked no, out. No, <laughs> it
1: all worked out, bro. They got married on their lunch break in like 15 minutes and Get like the fuck out. got back to the office and they had like cake waiting for them and shit.
0: That's adorable. It's really cool. That's a rom-com.
1: Yeah, it's a rom-com.
0: And then Were you the oldest, the youngest? Do you have siblings?
1: I'm like the only kid that they had, but my dad had another marriage and he had kids young, so I have like two half-sisters that live in Mexico.
0: So they didn't grow up in the house with you?
1: No, yeah, no. I met them like maybe I was like... Eight ish. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were fucking sick.
0: What's that like?
1: Dude, it's so random. Well, I found him in a photo
0: album. Get and out. I was like, so you had like a secret family?
1: Yeah, I guess he had a secret life. Secret life of the trees, bro. This man. So I found that photo album. It looked exactly like these two folks look like my dad. I'm like, yo, do I have, are these cousins? Yeah. And I asked my mom, I was like, are these my cousins? She's like, oh, okay. She said, Miha It's let time me to try. have that talk. <laughs> Miha. <laughs> Me, huh? So, yeah. No, and then we met, and I've been close with them ever since. That's cool. I have cool. three nephews, and they're all grown
0: up. So they're much older than you? Uh, yeah. Okay. And what was it like meeting them? Did you feel like a kindred spiritness uh, immediately? Like, you could tell, like, oh, these are my sisters.
1: Dude, it was like finding your tribe. Like, I was like, Get I'm out. finding my people. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, it was like a—I was a little kid, so, like, of course, you don't, like, understand it as deep as, like, if I met them right now, but— it was pretty sick. I was just like so stoked to have sisters because that's every only child's dream, I feel like.
0: Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you spent eight years thinking like oh I'm an only child and then it's like, no
1: yeah.
0: oh, amazing I have sisters. There's
1: more of me. That's yeah. so sick. Yeah. yeah. It was tight.
0: Um, what's it like uh visiting Mexico or visiting Colombia growing up in the States?
1: Dude, it's tight. I mean, I love Colombia. I grew up. I mean, going there a couple times, my mom would just put me onto the culture there and all the food there. So I, I feel like I get all of my true habits and cultures from Colombia and Mexico, kind of mixed together. Mexico's more of like, you know, my traditional side where I'm like cooking the same beans and rice every day, you oh, know, yeah. and that's the grandma tribe right there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's super sick. I love both places.
0: That's sick. How often would you go back? Every summer or anything like that?
1: Man, no. I was like once every like three to five years, you know? Yeah. I got you. Random vacations.
0: Yeah. And then do you have lots of aunts, uncles, grandmothers over there, stuff like that?
1: Yeah. We're the only of like both sides that are in the States.
0: How's that feeling? Is it like kind of growing up on an island without all your extended family?
1: Yeah, kind of. Like, you know, you hit that typical like kind of spanish american weirdness where you're not all the way american not all the way spanish when you go home so it's kind of like you have this middle ground but
0: it's cool i I can relate in a way simply because uh my mom's side of the family is Italian, right, and has a huge family on the East Coast. Like, when we had, when we would have um, family reunions as a kid, I mean, there'd be, like, 50, 60, 70 people there, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: Italian families are big, huh? Yeah,
0: but I grew up all the way on the other side of the country from them. So, it was just my parental units and my brother, and that's it. And Damn. so, we were, like, we, we were this little tiny family, except when we would go on vacation, we would be this huge family— And I kind of, I feel like I missed out growing up around them. Do you ever feel like you missed out?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. There's like my cousins having babies now and you want to be there when all of them are like cute little babies. And then you, when you actually meet them, they're like, you know, kind of like in their five, six. So that kind of stuff. And same with my nephews. It's like, you know, you want to see them fully grow up and you want to be around for those kind of like family moments, you know, those landmark moments, but we've kept, the family going through virtual always yeah. like ever since Skype was out and oh, cool. you know whatsapp We have the family whatsapp chat.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah growing up as an only child Did you take on adult tendencies very young then?
1: Yo, that's like a thing that everyone kind of put me on to is the fact that I was an adult so young I didn't even notice but like yeah since my parents are like older too like, you know I feel like how I how old were they on, when they had you man? I think my mom had to have been, like, middle 30s. Oh. My dad was 16 years older than her. Oh, wow. Or maybe she was, like, later 30s. I'm not sure.
0: And so he's, like, in his 40s, 40s. Yeah. Like, up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah when he was a, up there, yeah. Yeah. And what's that experience like for you looking back? I'm sure it was normal as a kid, but now you yeah. look back and go, oh, I had a really, like, chill childhood or something. Yeah, I that. mean,
1: I had a really cultured. Upbringing, like baby stuff was still like very nuanced, sick stuff. Like, my first music was like Ciao Gilberto, and like my dad would just play that all the time. And like, Edith, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald and then Etta James, like, I would just kind of like have his music. And I mean, you know. I didn't really have, like, the punk kind of parents, yeah, you yeah. know? Like, because you grew
0: up in Irvine as a— If you had 20-year-old parents, you'd be growing up listening to Sublime and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly, exactly. My mom was kind of like that, though. She put me on a Radiohead super young. That was, like, one of my first albums I heard.
0: Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your parents are a little— They've already, like, gotten past their youthful party phase. They're, they're helping you grow up as, like, very responsible adults at that point. You know?
1: Yeah, they were sick, though. They still threw their parties. I remember, like— On weekends they would just like throw parties with their homies And it was like the art homies getting drunk together Because they're all painters So like they would just all get together And do arts shit And get drunk and I'd be there like hell
0: yeah yeah it sounds like you had a lot of like cool culture around the house man painting and jazz and... yeah
1: it was an art house for sure
0: that's really dope and what do you what do you get into what are your first creative endeavors that you remember I'm sure like did you pick up paint because you were seeing people paint
1: yeah that was like definitely one of the first things I did I love like drawing painting all that stuff and like my mom would teach a paint class and like she would just open the garage to the whole neighborhood and like we had like little paint classes there so that I love that type of stuff like really young but then like as soon as I figured out I could play piano, like nothing else That's it. fucking mattered. Yeah.
0: And did you figure out because you took lessons?
1: Yeah. I mean, later on, yeah. I mean, I was just playing it. Listening and like watching Disney soundtracks and like movies like I just started playing piano off of that
0: get out Yeah, so you could pick up a piano or you could sit down and just kind of like plunk out songs and figure it out
1: Yeah, my parents caught me doing that at like literally three years old. So they like put me in lessons I was like in lessons at four and you know,
0: holy smokes. Yeah. So you were like weird this shit. prodigious youth. I was a weird kid, youth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Well, uh, do you remember what songs you like what Disney movies really set it off for you
1: circle of life, dude? It was circle of life. That That's Lion song, King, yeah? yeah, Lion yeah. King yeah. set it off for me. I was just like, "Let's go, Lion King!"
0: And you figured it out,
1: yeah. That's Dude. so tight. Yeah, that shit was my favorite, man.
0: You're like a multi instrumentalist now, yeah. Yeah. How many? Or I mean, I don't know if you, if you can even count how many, but shit.
1: Um, I play piano, guitar, bass, drums. Um. I can do a little cello, you know, a little sax, a little clarinet.
0: You can just, like, pick up whatever and figure it out after a while. Yeah, that's
1: basically it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and in a studio, that's helpful because it's, like, you can be good enough to get it good enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, you could write a part for something and give it to an instrument. Right, like, you
0: might not be, like, Yo-Yo Ma on the cello, but you could get the cello on some tracks if you needed to.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. We make it work.
0: Yeah, totally. That's really dope. Thank you, mom. Piano's first. Yeah. And lessons, did you take to them? Or did you feel like, oh, I don't have the freedom anymore. I don't love this as much. Or was it like, nah, I fuck with lessons? Dude,
1: I fucked with lessons. um, I feel like it was more for drums. I got super passionate about having a teacher after school. But um, nah, it was sick. Like, the lady that was teaching me piano, she was like, you know what? Like, I'm not supposed to tell you this to, like, my mom. She's like, you should take her out of these classes. Because she's just, like, veering off and writing her own stuff. And she's going to be a composer. So I feel like this will just, like, kind of... Make her resent like this type of structure, and wow. you know, yeah. And she did me a solid.
0: So that was quick. She they took they pulled you from the lessons pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was there for probably like a couple years, I'd say. Yeah. yeah and then once I started grabbing the material, she was just like, "Get out of here."
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that that like prodigious piano players who learn to recite piano, they often never go on to compose their own music. They're busy memorizing everything and. And, and, yeah, those are really two different parts of the brain.
1: Yeah, it's a craft all in its own, too. Like, people that can do that and just pull up, like, seven sheets and just go in on sight reading, I'm just like, fuck, yeah. I used to be able to do that, but, yeah, I'm trying to get back to that. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so she recognized that you were a composer. Do you have a first memory of writing songs when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, my mom had a tape recorder, and I picked it up, and I started doing these, like, jazz doo like, vocally and, like, she was fucking she still has it like we just found that tape recorder like a couple months ago
0: when you say that What do you mean like you were scatting or something? Yeah, I was just scatting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: It was fucking weird I was like doing some scatting at like six or something. I was really little
0: and she still has them.
1: Yeah She still has have them. have you
0: ever put them online?
1: I gotta drop them I gotta figure out first how to get that tape recorder on and working again.
0: I feel like it needs to be sampled yeah. Flipped into a beat oh Become a hit God. record
1: Yo let's go And yeah. now
0: Now I'll take royalties From that for A&Ring yep. that idea Yeah you
1: a and r that That's all That's all you
0: Oh uh, wow So six years old You're scatting and recording And um do your parents recognize this and just massage it your whole life or do they ever push back like hey music isn't a real future they were like you can do this
1: oh yeah i mean once i'm a teenager and saying things like i'm not gonna go to college they were like fuck no you gotta go to fucking college you idiot and then i was like well i really really think this is gonna work i don't know why but i just have a feeling and i have a really weird plan but i feel like it'll work out and i mean you know, but they always through like my upbringing really like encouraged me learning more music and like just actually finding a structure and kind of having the information to back that, you know, want. They're like, if you want to be a musician, you got to educate yourself and, you know, they Appro- always...
0: approach it the right way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My dad was like an OG piano player. So he was uh, he was stoked to have me like really learn it, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, so you can sit down and plunk something out with your dad, too, huh?
1: Yeah, dude. I'll try to get him to, like, be on the track sometimes. He c- he hits me with, like, some really decent chord samples, so I've been sampling him on the low.
0: Well, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, for some fun stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. After you get booted out of piano lessons because you're too good of a composer. How long is it until you start picking up the drums? Is it the first instrument that you picked up afterwards?
1: I did, like, guitar lessons briefly. That was, like, maybe, like, a few lessons.
0: And your hands couldn't have even been big enough to, like...
1: I was little. I was, like, maybe, yeah, like, six or seven or something. And I was like, nah, because they're teaching me Led Zeppelin. I don't want to learn the shit. So... I was like, dude, drums, I like went to like Guitar Center one day with like my mom's super rich random best friend that was like a millionaire at the time. And she was like, I'll get her a drum set. And my mom's like, no, like, fuck no, we can't take that from you. And she's like, nah, like she's and then she saw me play. I like just started getting on it and just playing it. Like and I just knew how to play drums the first time I sat down. It was fucking weird. Yeah. And then she's like, Now we got to get her it. She she knows how to play. So she just bought and Your mom's
0: it. like you asshole. Our house is gonna be so loud. She now. was
1: like, no, dude This is but she was like I mean like if you're really down to learn these things like they never like told me Don't learn something they were always like learn it if you're really down for it, you know Prove it then that you can do it
0: So you just sat down and like you're like Garth from Wayne's World just like
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I probably was shit, but I did the 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 eighth notes and yeah. I was like already hitting the snare and the kick on time wow. I was just ready to do it like that's wild I just was waiting for instruments man
0: Uh, like other than your dad is there a lineage of music in your family like do you have a few black sheep back in Colombia or Mexico that are like uh really great musicians
1: yeah both sides so I have like a cousin that's like a pro at accordion his name's Mario Lopez he's fucking sick but no like literally both sides has musicians everywhere like my dad's like christmases are like at back at his like ranch in mexico they like just get the whole family together and everyone grabs their own shit and just plays damn
0: i was just gonna ask you have like family jams and yeah sounds that yeah way.
1: i remember one distinct one from like christmas where we went and like everyone was playing something That's it tight. was sick they had like the dx7 out and like basses and just like what were you set. playing i don't i was too young i was watching it oh, i was just really? watching it on the couch i was still like a baby oh okay yeah i was probably like two or three
0: Wow, that's a strong, influential memory, though. Yeah. 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 Have you ever gotten to participate in any of the family jams? No, I'm
1: really trying to, like, soon, to go back. Like, you know, once all this is done, that's something we were actually talking about, because they want to now, like, build a studio in, like, one of the rooms in my dad's, like, house in Mexico.
0: Get the whole family to just cover these days or something?
1: Yeah, you know, a group track with
0: the whole fam. Come on. That would be sick. They would be incredible players, too. Yeah, they're all dope. That'd be amazing. Um, After she buys the drum set, you start taking lessons. Yeah. And you're taking them in the garage or something?
1: No, there was this place called West Coast Drums. Yeah, I think it was somewhere in orange at the time. It's closed now, but yeah, there was this um, instructor there, Matt Westfall, and he—
0: Shout out Matt Westfall.
1: Shout out him, yeah, wherever you are. But, yeah, no, he he put me on to drums there. We were taking classes there, and then I guess once they closed, he was like, yeah, like, I got to quit this. But we were in the thick of, like, the growth, and he was still down to teach me. So he's like, dude, if you want, I'll, like, give you lessons in my garage. So I would just go to his obscure garage and, like, learn drums for a couple more
0: years. That's so sick. What um, styles was he teaching you mainly? Like, did he have a specialty?
1: He had, like, I mean, he was, like, a rock drummer, but he was really with teaching me, like, Just basic foundations like he had this book like basic drumming that like we would just study pages out of Yeah, like it was like a textbook and he was like just had me on lock with the tempo We never even really did songs or anything. He was just very adamant about like tempo exercises and That shit was it and then he'd like have like this like sheet music that we play and like Play it at the same time so I could see him playing it and It was nice.
0: Do you still have that first drum set that your mom's rich friend bought you?
1: Yeah, I recorded all of this EP on it.
0: Shut the fuck up. Really? Yeah,
1: like I brought all the demos done with that. And then these days, like that is just fully that. Are set. you serious? Yeah,
0: that's so tight. So it was like not a little bullshit baby drum set.
1: It was a bullshit baby drum oh. set. I'm still using it though. But yeah, because you a can mi- you
0: can mic it and make it thump.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a real size drum set, but it's definitely like the student kind, you yeah. know, where like it's not gonna knock like you know Lundwig, you know. But it's sick. That's so sick. It's old and sick.
0: So by the time you get to like. The age where there's band in school were you just like a superstar? What is that like fifth grade when they start introducing band in school?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's like fifth grade. I remember I chose clarinet I remember which was like a kind of weak choice. I should have chose like sax or something yeah. like a trumpet It's a gateway woodwind. Yeah, it's a gateway exactly. Yeah, but then cello. Yeah, but you know I was learning
0: clarinet is a smart one to pick up because it's not that heavy. It's a very small case Yeah, you know when I was in fifth grade and I decided to be in band I wanted the biggest instrument because I don't know, maybe I was compensating or something, and <laughs> and I I picked the baritone.
1: Oh shit! And
0: I got pretty good at it. I was playing the baritone and treble clef, but you know what? Hauling a fucking baritone through the snow—that's
1: heavy. As a child, I
0: was like, I only lasted a year because I was like, yo, I can't, I can't carry this no more. That's
1: a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. If I
0: would have just picked the trumpet, I'd still be playing trumpet probably. Yeah. You know?
1: No, when I chose cello, that was like the because I had to walk to school, so that's a I big would ass, yeah, I'd yeah. Be lugging a big ass cello to school.
0: So you switched from clarinet to cello within a year or what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just was like, okay, it's got to be cello next I
0: know I was, like, kind of teasing about not being Yo-Yo Ma earlier But did you get very proficient at the cello then? At
1: the time, yeah Yeah, you stuck with it? Yeah, now I'm kind of trash when I try to play a cello But I'm getting back,
0: you know How many years did you do that?
1: Uh, that was just that year
0: Okay, so you're just, yeah. you're just dabbling in all the instruments
1: Dabbling in everyone I could get my hands on, yeah
0: And did ever the school band become, like, really important to you? Like, your main thing? Or no?
1: Um, only in freshman year of high school when I did, like, drumline, because it kind of has to be your life. They have you showing up to school two hours early. They have you going to, like, meets on Saturdays every weekend, and you're rehearsing the day before. So you're, like, always at school and, like... Yeah, I was diehard for that.
0: And that's a pretty, like, competitive musical field, right? The drumline?
1: Yeah, man. If you've ever seen the movie Whiplash, it's kind of like that. The I've teachers seen Whiplash, are like,
0: but I've also seen Drumline with Nick. Uh, what is his name? Oh, fuck now. I'm blowing the joke.
1: Yo, no, I know. Yeah.
0: Was Did it feel like it was taking the soul out of music for you? Because you seem like kind of a very organic type of musician, like you, like vibey. I feel like maybe competition is not your thing or, or no?
1: I think it really instilled a certain discipline. It's a lot of discipline to get that many people moving together at the same time and also keeping rhythm and having it be a good flowing piece, too. And we were one of the schools that was actually kind of, like, good in the competitions and would, like, sometimes win, you know? So that was pretty sick. But the only disheartening thing was it was really sexist. Like, I feel like I really was—I could have done the kit, you know? And they really weren't letting girls play the kit and— That's, like, a thing, you know, where, you know, you automatically assume the dude is better. But it just made me a better musician, honestly, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Did you realize that at the time? Like, oh, these motherfuckers are sexist? This is misogynist?
1: I was bummed because I knew I was at a certain skill level where—because I was taking drum classes. So I was, like, how am I not, like, making certain sections? And it was really just based on, like, you know— I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was, yeah, it was a thing where I just wanted to keep learning and keep getting better, If you know, if I had to prove it so much, you know.
0: And what's your social life like by the time you get to high school that freshman year? Were you an awkward young freshman or did you were you a popular kid?
1: Oh, my God. Well, freshman year, I was like a little bit—I feel like I've always been this, though, like a little bit of homies with everybody. So I was homies with the band folks. I was homies with, like— Everyone would call me a fob because I hung out with, like, all the Korean kids and, like, yeah, I don't know why I was broken up in sections like that in the first place, but I was just homies with everyone, like, you know? So that was kind of always my social life was, like, just being a sprinkle of everyone.
0: And the skater kids, you said you skated, too?
1: Yeah, that was, like, later on, though. That was, like, senior year-ish where, like, I'm starting to hang out with, like, the cool skaters and oh yeah they were just fun people
0: to be around. Yeah. Like even though music was already sort of ruling your life um, from an early age, did your parents also push, remember to educate yourself as well on you? Like, were you a studious?
1: Yeah, did you I like mean, school? I fucking hated school, man. Yeah.
0: I'm not even going to lie. I was
1: a terrible student. Okay, My parents know that. They know the truth about me. Yeah. Yeah, I was a really great student at first. And then I really was like, man, like, I don't know if other kids had that where they're just like, I know what I'm going to do in life. So this is just this is wasting
0: time not a lot of kids know that but a lot of kids that come on this show share that experience but i think you're very lucky to have had that experience of like knowing what it was gonna do and also it coming to fruition that's like a rarity you know totally totally Uh, and so at what point did you already know like i don't need i don't need this algebra because i'm gonna be fucking just counting these bands after the show
1: i think it was like junior year ish i was just like Slacking to senior year. I went to a continuation school and then was just like, this is kind of like... Just being in a continuation school in general is just kind of like you're not even at school really truly Like this is just like everyone's chilling like together and
0: we get a lot of um, continuation school stories in this show, too But the stories of how people end up in continuation school are always the more interesting part So how did what happened? Why did you end up in continuation school?
1: Dude, literally nothing happened other and I didn't even have to go to continuation school I just uh, I wasn't fucking with my high school at the time because it was like really Just super conservative, raised type of high school. I couldn't even breathe in that school. It was, like, a lot of hate crime shit going on because I was gay. They would—oh, my God, the stuff that would happen there. So I was just kind of like,
0: bro— When did you come out?
1: I came out senior year, so all this type of stuff would happen before I even came out. So I was just kind of, like, staging my life to be a little safer, a little bit more open. And that school felt like, you know— Wow. Because there's, like, different walks of life walking through those doors, it's kind of like you feel— like I'm it's not going to be hell to walk through these doors every day you know with people that are perfect I guess you know these are just all these types of you know different lives that are accepted here you know
0: yeah What's it like growing up in an area that is so conservative? Like when we talked about Orange County a second ago, we just brushed over it. But like in Southern California, Orange County is known as one of the few places that's like a really red area. Yeah, you know, they vote is. for Donald Trump. They they vote for conservative congressmen, et cetera, et cetera. So what's it like being an outsider in that area uh, as as a progressive, as, a, as a, a young queer person?
1: Right. I mean— it's uncomfortable, um, mainly, you know, because you can't pinpoint exactly why people hate you so much. But, like, n- like it's a kind of hate where, like—it's like a pursuing type of hate where, like, you're not really safe until you go home kind of shit. And you're just, like—it's—it becomes isolating, you know, for kids to grow up in this, like, kind of, like, such a limited environment because, like, kids— you know, their initial instinct is to, like, go out and have fun on the weekends. They don't want to worry about, like, people behind them following them and, like, doing shit to them, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it was uncomfortable, but it was something where it made me almost, like, stubborn to make a change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just kind of like, if shit isn't going to be safe, then I got to make it safe, mm-hmm. you know? How so? Um. Well, I mean, I was kind of, like— Where a lot of people would maybe hide their sexuality, I was like a little bit more like once senior year came around, I was a little bit more like, I don't have anything to hide or be afraid of. So I was kind of like pioneering that at my school. A lot of people would hide it and I would just kind of be like, these kids just went up to me one day and were like, yo, are you gay? I was like, yep. Oh, yeah. And everyone was like, what? Like tripping out. Yeah. But it was like, you know, this type of stuff is like stuff we got to say out loud and, you know, make it a part of society a little bit.
0: Did you have a brain trust or a friend group that you could rely on or or that you felt safe around there? Or was it always kind of isolated?
1: It was isolated in the sense that you don't know really who to tell first or like, you know. But I had homies that were like always, you know, like really great homies. So the people I feel like I ended up saying yes to that day were like all like a table of homies that I would have told anyway, you know. So, yeah, I mean, right when I did, I fell on a lot of support and yeah, everyone was like, man, I can't believe you didn't tell me, bitch. And I was like, yeah, sorry.
0: My initial vibe in meeting you instantaneously, you just seem so comfortable in your own skin. You seem oh, like a very you. secure and upfront and just like, I don't know, like, not to sound generic, but like a cool person, you know? Thank you. Man. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so I, I have to wonder, did you always feel that way? Or before you came out, did you feel like you were having to hide? And did that make life more awkward for you?
1: Yeah, I feel like... Well, I truly didn't know that I was gay until very late, like senior yearish, junior yearish, and But, yeah, having a sense of, like, feeling like your identity is wrong will kind of, like, change the narrative a little bit once you're old enough to, like, know it's safe to be you, you know? I was just like, oh, shit. I've always been this kind of person, though. Like, I just like being friends with everyone and, you know— I think I feel that way socially because I felt a lot of social rejection, like people just don't want to fuck with you. And I'm just kind of like, I like coming into a room and making everyone feel like they're a friend, you know?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Continuation school, right? You get out of your normal high school. Is this around the time that you released that first EP that's still online in 2015. I don't I I can't really put your, your age on you. I don't know.
1: No, yeah. That's like a couple years after I'm out of high school. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I'm writing those songs as I'm in high school and like leaving high school and yeah. The
0: the reason I ask that, I'm just wondering like were you in bands and already creating your own music and posting online while you're in high school?
1: Yeah, I was already doing the SoundCloud thing for y- a okay. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing that really early on in high school and you know flexing youtube in middle school oh wow yeah so
0: and what were you doing on youtube
1: youtube i was just turning on live and writing songs on my acoustic guitar i had like a billion of those and i had to terminate that channel
0: did you have any little following
1: uh i had a few people i really never even saw the numbers i would just do it i would log on and do it and then sign right off like so innocently and then my homies at school would be like i saw your song it's actually kind of dope i'm like oh fuck my friends found my youtube channel
0: was that embarrassing
1: (laughs) it was kind of funny because i was like i didn't realize you know that people were watching it you know it was funny
0: that is funny and so on soundcloud what kind of stuff are you putting up
1: well at first it was like yeah like the myspace days i was putting up acoustic guitar written songs and then once like soundcloud came about i was making these like garage band like random indie songs with like my electric guitar and like the garage band drums and then yeah that just changed the logic and making like drums and then ableton and all that shit
0: did you have anybody helping you learn all those daws or did you just shed and teach yourself
1: oh man well garage band was kind of like
0: that one's pretty easy that yeah. was
1: self-explanatory so i kind of hopped on that one pretty quick but then yeah, my fam was like, if you want to get Logic, you got to take the classes. So I was like, I'll take a class. Who said that? My mom. Your mom said she that. She was like, you got to take your, Logic your classes. Your mom sounds
0: very logical, no She's pun intended. She's a logical
1: woman, yeah. She was like, well, if you want to do this, you got to do this. So I was like, I'll do it.
0: And I didn't even know that there are Logic classes. Like, how, where is that?
1: Yeah, at the Apple store. At the Isn't that crazy?
0: An Apple bar genius is teaching you how to, like, program drums? Yep.
1: You'd go to the genius bar. You'd, yeah, have your appointment. You show up. You log into the computers that everybody would be taking their little photo booth pics on, you know. Yeah.
0: And then you're in there making bangers.
1: I'm in there making bangers. I'm learning how to make bangers.
0: Was it useful like did you learn stuff
1: i don't remember a single lesson bro i'll tell you the truth but i know at the time it was getting me through the basics so i was just going home and like doing everything i just learned and i'm like okay sick
0: i will tell you that you are the first person sitting in that chair that's ever taken a music lesson at the apple store
1: it's a prehistoric thing i don't even know if they do it anymore yeah that's
0: wild that's amazing who are you listening to around that time I hate that question, who are your influences, but no, yeah. y- your influences seem like they're probably pretty wide and varied.
1: Yeah. I liked Fujis. I was l- the person that made me write music though was Amy Winehouse.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Okay, I can see that yeah. in some of the grooves on on the records.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was really formative to like just wanting to pick up a guitar and just write a song for the first time
0: was it uh back to black or frank which record? it was
1: valerie i covered valerie on youtube i just turned on youtube live and was like i kind of sounded it out and i was like i'm gonna just cover it live
0: i mean that's one of those songs where when anybody asks is there a cover song that's better than the original if their answer is not valerie they're wrong.
1: They're wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. the b-
0: best cover of all time, that's I think. so good, man. Yeah.
1: It's one of those covers that, like, you get great covers of that cover because it inspires.
0: Right. It's like so many different voices sound so great singing that melody. Yeah. Yeah. What was your twist on Valerie?
1: I just played it, yeah, on my acoustic guitar and sang it the way, you know, I was writing music at the time, which was, you know, juvenile, but... Yeah, I think I found my voice through, like, just trying to learn what she was doing. I was just like, oh, man, I want to just do this for myself really badly. So that made it.
0: That whole era around 2010, there was a lot of great, like, throwback soul music. That was when Lee Fields really started popping off. Raphael Sadiq made a record like that. Um, You know, just Sharon Jones. Were you into all of that whole scene?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wasn't getting so much of the stuff around, like, because when I would get— An artist like Amy Winehouse, I just, like, listen to that only kind of type of vibe. And, yeah, it was, like, really to formatively, like, kind of find my taste. I was listening to her, Nina Simone. Yeah, I was listening to a shitload of Ray Charles. Like, Ray Charles is one of my favorite artists of all time, and then James Brown,
0: too. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, that type of stuff.
0: So the classics.
1: Yeah, and my dad's Brazilian music, like Stan Getz. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Gilberto and Getz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: All that stuff, and I was just cycling those records over and over, and just, yeah.
0: The way that you knew you could always pick up instruments, did you also just know from an early age that you could sing, or did singing um, not come as naturally?
1: Um... Well, yeah, I was doing that, like, scatting when I was younger, so I knew I was inclined to start using my voice, but, yeah, it wasn't really till I started doing those YouTube covers that I was even really, truly attempting singing and writing with my voice, so, yeah, when I got an acoustic guitar, that was, like, my first... Idea
0: and you weren't shy about it like you didn't have any growing pains with it It's just like oh, I'm I just gonna started figure it
1: out. doing it because I realized I could kind of like with Valerie I that was I think the first time I properly tried to cover something singing. So I was like Singing along to the notes and realizing I could hit notes and I was like, oh
0: Okay, this is a game changer.
1: Yeah. 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 I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, yeah, so
0: yeah And how long is it from Valerie until writing your own songs? It then? came
1: as like instantly after that cover I think the first thing I wanted to do was write my own song. Yeah. Like, I uploaded that video, and I was like, okay, the next video I'm going to do, I'm just going to turn on live and start improvising chords on the guitar and write my own songs. And
0: that's when the YouTube channel starts. Yeah. And what were your songs about back then? Oh,
1: my what God. What age is this
0: for you? 13, 14? Yeah,
1: I'm like maybe 12, 13 years old. Yeah,
0: so what is there to write about then? Oh, my God.
1: Oh, it was the most terrible, melodramatic music about. Like being a broken hearted teenager, whatever fucking heartbreak you can experience at 12 years old, I guess I got my soul shattered and I was just like, I wrote a song called Drama King. Wow. Yeah. You know, Jesus. I was like on my Lana Del Rey shit very young.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Do you you have any of those saved?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I do.
0: Are there any that you look back um, with reverence? Or are they all embarrassing?
1: They're all you know songs I probably wouldn't revamp and make again, you know. But there's random ones that I'm like, oh okay, you were kind of popping for yeah. a little kid.
0: <laughs> now hear me out. You have those archived great skits for future records between oh, yeah. songs. You yeah. just throw one of those in there with a little tape noise. And okay,
1: he's he's a and my next record. That's the truth.
0: Ricky, just hire me. Ricky Reed. We're good.
1: Shouts Ricky Reed.
0: Shout out to Ricky Reed. Yeah. After high school. What happens? No college.
1: No college. I went to college for a little bit. I went, like, for, you know, maybe, like, a month or so and was like, this ain't it, chief. I was taking physiological psychology. What's that? I thought I was going to be a psychologist. So you're learning about the brain first. Oh. It's kind of like this biochem situation. And that shit was hard. I was like, okay, I got this.
0: That sounds hard.
1: The first few classes I'm in, and then we're really getting into the... The, the cortex I'm like okay bro you're losing me with the bio here yeah. I'm you know
0: Where did you go to? did you go to UC Irvine
1: I went to IVC
0: Yeah were you a party
1: kid Oh, senior year things changed up for me, man. I was a rowdy senior.
0: That, that's kind of like a formative year for you, and like life kind of blossoms for you. It seems yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you got I, to really be yourself, and so you discover all these different sides of yourself.
1: Yeah, man, it was really crazy. It's like unlocking Pandora's box for real. I was just like, oh, this is all the shit I didn't know I could do. You yeah. know, so I was, I was wild.
0: So what is like psychedelics or just weed or? Oh fuck
1: yeah, man! I just mean, everything. Yeah, my, I had a cool pianist friend at the time. Who was like, you want to try shrooms? I was like, let's go. It was raining. We tried some shrooms. You know, we went to a party on shrooms once. That was crazy. I really don't ever want to do that again.
0: I would never go to. a party It was on crazy.
1: I was looking at the paintings because it was a really nice house. Yeah. So they had like these gorgeous paintings, and I was like, going into them. I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah, it was crazy. But I was like, yeah, it's crazy.
0: You know, it's funny. My, uh, the The first time I ever did shrooms, we were on our way to a party, and uh, I was in the back seat of an SUV where my friend opened the door in the middle of an intersection and vomited. Oh fuck! And <laughs> it ruined my. Night slash life like I was like No take me home right Now we're gonna get arrested That's a vibe switch like you can't
1: just throw up de- Nothing negative can happen in a Shroom trip not even a single so vibe I, change
0: I I like started Screaming for them to turn around <laughs> and take Me home and I fucking went and laid In my bed and just watched the fucking Digital clock like shaking oh as I Laid God. there having the worst trip ever And okay let's get back to it Now I'm sorry for tan- being tangential So uh, by the time you're at IBC And in college are you playing out shows at all Like are you getting your shit together to the point Where you have songs that you want to perform for people
1: Oh yeah so like I would say it's around And like, 2014-ish, I'm writing, like, SP stuff and, like, trying to get my foot wet in that stuff. And then I was writing this, like, indie stuff at the time, too, which was, like, I called it Quiet Girl at the time. And it was just a bunch of indie, like, kind of lo-fi demos, synth-pop kind of shit. And that's the stuff I was really focusing and veering off to for a really long time. Yeah.
0: I noticed that your friends, I think, IRL with somebody we had on the show a few weeks ago, a Mindy. Oh, yeah. is that, That's your homie? Yeah. Did you guys know each other via, like, indie girl SoundCloud shit?
1: Yes, dude. We actually played a show together that was ran by, yeah, like, the local, like, OC LA indie scene.
0: So you guys, like, came up together. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Really, yeah, in the same cut. She told us a story about playing, like, a backyard show or something like that. Yeah. Did, were you playing backyard shows, too? I was doing the
1: backyard show thing for a bit. With
0: Quiet Girl or St. Panther?
1: It was Quiet Girl stuff. Yeah, but I would mix it in. I would kind of like do collabs of them So I would kind of mix in St. Panther stuff too I just play whatever I wanted to play that night, you know, but for a while I was doing the band thing okay. Yeah,
0: so you're the lead and are you on guitar in the front of the band or what?
1: Yeah, I was playing all tight Like I would still like do what I do now I just like self-produce everything and then would just find session players and right then I had like a good group of buds that I was just like yo, I need some help with getting these shows popping and yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So I'd play, like, synth and sing or, like, guitar and sing.
0: That's so tight. Yeah. The way you very matter-of-factly put it, like, yeah, that's around the time that I started SP stuff. How did Quiet Girl and St. Panther differentiate in your head? Like, how did you compartmentalize those two different types of music?
1: Well, I made, like, a separate SoundCloud, and I was like, I'll put all the, you know, soul, R&B, kind of jazz drive beef funky
0: really yeah and funk
1: on one end and then all that synth pop stuff kind of lo-fi indie songs that i'm writing i'm gonna put in this and then just kept filling both up you know equally
0: and was it something where one side of those dual personalities started tickling your fancy more or was it like they both fulfilled different things in your life
1: They both, yeah, had always kind of were hand in hand with each other with pushing the other one to do a little bit something different or more, but Quiet Girl for a while was just like all I wanted to do because it was kind of expanding my producer mind a little bit more because I feel like hip hop, to learn hip hop, you kind of have like your work cut out for you a little bit and I wanted to veer off and be like way, you know, just experimental in that kind of, you know, lo-fi kind of sense and make weird sounds.
0: Yeah. 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 How long is it until people start kind of picking up on this stuff? Or like, did you garner a little fan base?
1: Yeah, I had like folks listening in the MySpace days, like random shit, and then like, but SoundCloud it's so stuff. Wild.
0: You don't look old enough to have had a MySpace. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people that have MySpaces look like me.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, man, I I experienced the true come up of that culture. It was yeah, beautiful, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't until I think I got a SoundCloud, which I'd say was like. Jesus, I don't know like
0: 12 or 13. Yeah,
1: I was like 12 or 13 when it first came out when that first dropped I was ready to go. Yeah Yeah, And then when I started like uploading more beats people started kind of like listening to like st Panther stuff. Yeah, but the stuff that really popped off was
0: the quiet girl stuff Oh, that popped off more than St. it's Saint still Panthers.
1: more clouded up than my Saint Panther SoundCloud. Oh
0: no, shit! Do yeah. you ever perform as Quiet Girl anymore, or just,
1: I haven't in a while.
0: Have you just like eliminated that personality? Like that's not a thing anymore. I changed it, so I
1: like evolved the moniker to Dan Universe. So now it's a Dan Universe, but that is still getting love through like like random, really big YouTube. Video blogger people will, like, use my songs still regularly. Wow. So that'll just get love all the time. No matter what I'm doing, I'll log back into that and see there's still thousands of plays, you know.
0: Okay, so you didn't, like, kill that persona off or nothing. No, I'll still upload random
1: demos here and there when I feel really, like, good about one. And recently I was thinking about just making a full project in general now that I did the first full SP project. I'm kind of like, yeah, I want to do a full one for that one, too, and, you know.
0: I mean, I I assume, like, you're, like, signed and in the in the machine with St. Panther, yeah. I think. And so now you have this alternative identity that you could, like, be do super indie shit with, like, where right. nobody's, like, telling you, no, change this or do that. It's like you can be whatever you want.
1: Yeah, that's kind of why I created it, honestly, because I felt like I need a space to just experiment where there is kind of no guidelines as to, like, whether or how you're going to release something. Or there's no dictation in, you know, the creative there. And I think... I strive off of always having that channel you yeah. know open that's cool, yeah
0: man it must be really tight being like super tight at stuff
1: <laughs> dude it's it's you know I try I'm trying to learn to be better uh, yeah. You know? yeah yeah
0: yeah I mean sometimes that uh, people sit over there and I'm just like, wow, how do you how can you do so much things? you could do so many things that's great
1: I'm tired, I don't sleep I need rest are
0: you a nighttime producer are I you a...
1: work all night yeah do you almost sleep every night and
0: sleep all day?
1: Nah, I, I will get—I'm unhealthy. I'll, like, work all night and then maybe a few hours and then— But, you know, it it changes, you know. It just depends on what kind of, like, section I'm in with some work, you know. If I really am in the zone, I don't want to stop recording, and
0: it just feels natural to not stop, too. Are you someone who forces yourself to always work, even if you're feeling uninspired? Or no. do you only work in the bits of inspiration? Yeah, yeah
1: no. I, I cut that shit out pretty quick because I think— a lot of us, once we get in like a creative routine, it's like, it's automatic. You know, you wake up and you just sit down on your computer, and I kind of cut that shit out because I, I feel like I'll make this kind of automatic music versus like I only want to arrive at a song if it has an emotion it's coming from. Yeah. Or just something that needs. You know, a voice, you know, I don't want to force
0: it. And do you find once you stopped forcing yourself like that and only sit down when inspiration strikes that you're you're able to strike gold with more consistency?
1: Yeah, I've been writing some of my best music ever since I kind of made that like healthy separation between like always having to work and then kind of having something to work towards and for, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah Yeah, and I think that's really like a Strong advice for creators out there To like stop forcing it
1: Yeah a lot of people really thrive off Of repetition too which is also not a bad Thing I think just for my personal Process I worked a lot of years That way so I kind of want to try Arriving at songs In a more paced manner versus like Because I would just shit out songs like I could all day Any musician could do that all day If you love music that's That's the way you work, and you always want to be in the thick of that, but I kind of... For me right now, I'm just in a place where I want to respect where I arrive at a song and what that entails. That's dope. It's like a little bit more living is entailed. There you you go.
0: Yeah, because you got to live to really write the emotional shit, right?
1: Right, yeah. If I'm in a room all day all year thinking you know. about
0: hypothetical life rather than right living exactly
1: it. i kind of need a, a little more life juice yeah yeah it doesn't always have to be self-reflective kind of work like you can make your own world and be in the same place and still be living but yeah
0: i got you yeah after that year of college what were you doing to survive until you got noticed
1: oh man it was rough i mean I had my little random homeless moments here and there, so I was, Homeless? You know, what did
0: homelessness look like? Like, just couch surfing, or were you actually, it like, was in on, your car? So,
1: there were days where I really didn't have anywhere to sleep, and then there were a lot of times I had friends, so it was, like, couch surfing shit, but, you know, in the meantime, I'm literally—all I have is my computer, um, and all I know how to do is write music, so I was, like, to every local musician, I was, like— I can record you. And a lot of people naturally just started kind of catching wind of like, if you can go to some space and just record for free, you know, a lot of people will show up on you. And then I started charging if a lot, you know, I was like, if a lot of people want my time like this, like I'm kind of down to like 20 bucks a beat at first, 50 bucks, like for like a couple songs, like, and.
0: So you would just produce album or like produce songs for people, not just engineer. It's like, here's a beat. Yeah, let's make a song. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of my early beginnings and like making beats was that like a lot of rappers were around me and they wanted beats, So I was just like, let's just learn this trade, you know, and I already was doing it and loving it. And I love that music in general. So I was just like, I want to be a producer. Any
0: rappers we would have heard of at that time?
1: I mean, some of the bands I recorded are doing well. There's this one band.
0: You're engineering bands, too. That's hard. Yeah,
1: that one was tough because I was like. I just want the experience of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wanted to like. What band? Uh, They're called Makeout Reef. Yeah. Their streams are doing well, which is nice to see. You know, I recorded them like shit, poor things because I didn't have anything right. at the time, you know. And when you're just starting out in that small place, you're like, we'll make it happen. However, we can make it happen. You know, they don't have money. I don't have the state of the art studio that they need. But when you put those heads together and you just want it to happen, you know, I just wanted that experience really badly.
0: Why at that time are you having to kind of like couch surf and occasionally be homeless rather than just like being like, hey, mom, dad, can I like still stay in my room?
1: I mean, it was, you know, like I said, there were times where that wasn't the route that they wanted me to take. So, you know, we disagreed and
0: some some headbutting at that time. A little yeah.
1: Bit. Yeah. It was natural. And, you know life is you know every family has a story so you know we are one of those families and there were times that were easy and times that were harder and you know yeah I was a very you know I think they're glad now that I was very stubborn and headstrong about it that there were times they didn't understand why I was so stubborn about it I think that's I was kind of difficult in that sense where I knew it so I I didn't want to you know sway my decisions to I
0: got you you know steer like compromise your stubbornness or your beliefs and in in order for the comfortable route right 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 exactly i got you how long is it into um producing and recording and uploading on soundcloud and stuff like that until the ricky reed camp finds out about you and what does that relationship end up looking like
1: so they found me like i'd say 2019-ish Like early 2019-ish Yeah like a year ago or so Or maybe longer I could be wrong But Ryan Hunter that's friends With them um, Who played in this band called Envy on the Coast That I knew of since like Middle school they were in my iPod Like I was an avid listener of them he followed me and i thought it was super sick because i noticed i didn't know i didn't really notice who he was at the time and then i went on his profile i'm like bro i know this guy from something and then i looked up the band i'm like yo this is the dude from the band. this, this was one of my favorite feeling. bands yeah, yeah that's great i just hit him up and was like dude you were in my ipod in seventh grade and he was like oh really like i found you on like your management's page blah blah blah. And. He's like, I have this friend, and his friend was Bradley Herring, who works A&R. Yeah, shout out Brad
0: Herring. I've been knowing Brad Herring for like 10 years, probably. Yeah,
1: man. And he just plugged me with Nate immediately, and I don't know how or when the first scenario was of Ricky hearing my music, but it was through that That Who's Ricky. Nate? Um Nate? Nate So he's like, he has his own imprint with Nice Life called Household Records. Okay. And that was just upstarting at the time that I met all of them, and- yeah, it was a, a real nice place to arrive.
0: For people who aren't familiar with who Ricky Reed is, how would you break that down or explain it to people?
1: I mean, he's an incredible music producer known for, you know, huge hits. Huge hits that yeah. we all know and love today. Um, on the label front, he's very much the guy that kind of leads the charge and, you know, I feel like development musically. Like, he really is a person that puts structure on things like demos and things like that. Not for literally everything, but, I mean, for the most part, he's, like, a real guiding force in that. And, yeah, the way he runs the label is really organically. You can text him songs. You can literally, you know—it's very face value work, and it feels, you know, like he's very, like— human in that sense where it doesn't feel like you're working with someone that's like much larger he's very like involved with everything that's being produced under his roof
0: and for you having such an extensive production background and multi-instrumentalist background does it feel comforting to talk to someone like that who's like comes from the same headspace as you and has made it into this like huge career
1: yeah he's very much become like a big bro and a real guiding force and like you know I've been just learning so much in a musical sense. Like I all this industry shit is one thing, but like I've been learning a lot from him and Nate both. They just, you know, have a way of like really offering the knowledge that you need in that moment and yeah, that's incredible.
0: What is the creative process of the latest EP look like then? Are, are a lot of those songs, demos that you create and then you show and bounce ideas off of yeah. Ricky and Nate? Yeah.
1: yeah, I came with all those songs done to nice life and I had those in my pocket yeah I was like I just need somewhere to get the sonics right and
0: yeah because they're big they're big sounding
1: now yeah because they started really like you know they sounded like my room still and that's great and they were a really great place to start I just thought it could go a little bit farther and I just wanted to finally find you know a home for the music in a way of like I know I'm making good music I just don't know what's missing right now and it really was like a good team of people you know to kind of teach you more and put more structure on your direction as a musician you know because sometimes you're just kind of figuring it out
0: demoing these songs by yourself they can only go so far yeah to an extent right when you take them into a studio how hands-on is it with with other people there and like I guess I wonder, like, what does the room look like? Is, it, is there a bunch of people in there bouncing ideas off each other of how to make it bigger? Is it just you and Ricky or, or you know what I mean? like?
1: Yeah, it was just Nate and I for the whole thing. Nate um, and I co-produced, you know, all that post, like, demo. Yeah. You know, we wanted to push it more. And he—immediately, I felt like it was music that resonated with him. So it felt like jamming. Yeah, that's like, cool. Like, bringing the songs, and we he just immediately kind of started jamming his ideas and— I It was very co-producer in the sense of like we were even those ideas were being co-produced and a lot of that was like We were having the same idea at the same time kind of stuff and that was really a great workflow It was like working with your a little bit of an extension of your own mind.
0: That's awesome Yeah, so he brings a lot of experience to the table in like engineering as well.
1: Yeah, I mean his studio is incredible, you know so he has All the bells and whistles that could really you know make a record great but aside from that the knowledge of how those bells and whistles will highlight the work versus kind of like cloud it and you know your initial is to like I want to use all this stuff I want to throw it all in and he really knows how to like bring out your sound with those things
0: are you taking those demos from your computer throwing them into a Pro Tools session with him and then just going like okay let's pick this apart and put it back together
1: Um, we drag all the stems in and that's kind of like our starting point. And then we're listening to it. I kind of go in with initial ideas, too. And I kind of like I kind of want this or Nate's like kind of like doing surgery on it a little bit and being like, oh, we could have like, you know, we could take this out here. And he's really great at arranging and kind of like putting I could loop something forever. And I know he realized that when I brought in these songs, he was like, "Okay, let's, you know show the ropes on how to, like, really have certain, like, moments of breathing. Yeah, Yeah. and movement, too. All that is relative to... A, a nice flowing song.
0: Right. Yeah. I think people don't realize when they're listening to pop songs that oftentimes they never loop for four bars. Even though it sounds like the same song going the whole way through, it's like each four bars could be completely different, you know, yep. if, when you really listen to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stevie Wonder kind of put me on to like a pop song doesn't technically have to be a pop song by formula, you know. It's really about the feeling.
0: Totally. Yeah. And so how did you feel when it was completed?
1: Oh, incredible, man, cuz Finally having like a good solid portion of your work that is hitting the Sonics that you feel like, you know, they deserve to hit, it feels nice, you know. And to arrive at that conclusion with people that you love, too, is another added blessing to that, you know. Having like a a good team of folks that, you know, everyone put in their all for something and it turned out pretty okay, you know. The vinyl did well the first day, which was cool. Vinyl Me Please sold out, you know, the first day, which was really special. I didn't think there would be that many people already ready to buy the vinyl, you know, because getting people to actually buy your stuff is a hustle, you know, when you're new, you know, it was nice. (sighs) What's really
0: interesting to me is just how buzz starts to grow, because from the first time I heard your name and listened to songs till now... I've been seeing your name like all over the place in my Instagram timeline like people will be posting your songs Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it's just weird cuz I don't know I feel like something's bubbling
1: Yeah, I felt a really I was telling like my manager Sophie this like recently where I don't know what I feel, but it feels like a really positive cloud is just hovering over this work right now. I don't know whether it's, you know, some angels or what it is, but, you know, it feels good. It feels good that people are, I think it's just energy. Yeah. You know, the energy you're putting out kind of finds its way to keep growing through other people. Like, I think it's the joy, it's the love I put into it is kind of, you know, giving other people that feeling for their own lives, you know?
0: I mean- the work itself is just really amazing, too. I, Thank you, man. You know, it's a nice, brief EP, and every song is really a standout song. Every, any one of them could have been a single. I mean, they all kind of are singles, I suppose. Thank you, dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there were songs I believed in, you know, as I was making them.
0: Now that it's out, do you feel like a slight sense of like, oh, shit, now what? Or are you already ready to go on to the next
1: I'm such a writer in the sense that I never feel like the in-between or a pause from a project because I kind of never stop, so it's like this, like...
0: You're so lucky in that sense.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's not always like that, too. I mean, when COVID hit, I felt like I was kind of, like, creatively in a a place where I didn't even know where to start. I think a lot of musicians experience that. Like, what are we going to say that's really meaningful now? And... Totally. When all the material is stripped from life, like this, like, you're, like... Nothing matters anymore you know It has to be something That reaches people right now and that Pressure initial pressure came on like What are we going to say then you know In a time like this for me it's like That's the only thing I'm thinking about is like Well I want to give Something to this time And people in this time you know Mm -hmm. It's not just constant feeding Them stuff you know because that's what we do That's like you know part of their career too Is to just feed the machine But yeah, I'm thinking about how to feed the machine and I want it to be healthy, you know?
0: Yeah. So now that it has, in a sense, worked out or it's really beginning to work out, you are feeding that machine. And when you're feeding that machine, that means that the bills are probably getting paid. What do your parents think now?
1: They're happy, you know, when the Michelle Obama playlist. Happened. They were like, "That's another
0: place I saw your name was." I was like, "Oh shit, you about to do the podcast?" That's
1: Uh, random, yeah. So when that happened, my homegirl
0: Ivy Soul was on that too. Really? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, Shout out Ivy Soul real quick. Yeah. So you see that? Sorry to interrupt. No, no. What's that feeling like?
1: It's cool. I mean, more than anything, my parents always knew it, but like my distant relatives now are kind of like my cousin was. In an H&M in Barcelona, because she lives in Barcelona. and
0: Your song came on? Yeah. That's tight.
1: In H&M, and she sent me a video. She's like, my husband just noticed that this is your song. Like, I didn't even notice. My husband noticed, which is fucking sick. It was nice, you know. Yeah, that it's not like this, uh, this thing that you're crossing your fingers on, you know. It's a little more tangible for the fam. Yeah. Which is nice. It was a long time coming.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is. I've been listening to music a long time, and sometimes you just get feelings, man. I don't know. I got a feeling that things are just going to keep snowballing for you, and I hope they do. I, yeah, I, feel, I, I feel like you deserve it. You seem like uh, you got a good head on your shoulders. So yeah, good luck with everything. And I'm really like, I Thank don't know, you. secondhand proud of you. I guess for this Hell EP, yeah. I just think Let's it's so I, it's just so good. The EP is really uh, excellent. So congratulations on it. Thank you. That being said, I think we did what we came to do. So tell the people where they can find you online
1: find me on st panther everywhere you know are there
0: any weird spellings
1: uh no it's just st panther
0: st panther across all platforms
1: yeah find me baby
0: you can find her on spotify or all streaming platforms and uh yeah everything's organized beautifully and (laughs) the songs you can just press play and just vibe out it's easy. It's so easy.
1: Yeah, also come say hi, because I love talking to random people a lot. Really? Yeah, I really you'll, do. You'll
0: like that for about another year or two, and then you'll be like, all right, people, get out of my fucking DMs.
1: Yeah, I'm like that sometimes, but I just want to say hi. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. When
0: is your birthday?
1: October 11th. Oh, When's yours?
0: Mine's July 8th. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're bros. I'm a Cancer. Exactly. So you're a Scorpio? Libra. Or, or, or Libra. My wife's a Libra. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I just needed to, needed to ask. I was like, you, I was getting cancer vibes. Oh, no,
1: no, but we're bros. Bros yeah. and cancers are bros. Yeah,
0: for sure. All right, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat, or you can go to YouTube.com. Slash kind of neat Where you're going to see St. Panther perform someone has gotta give Something's gotta give The beautiful Last song on the EP right? Yeah the closer Yeah the closer So she's going to be uh, You know Performing the big bang The fireworks I think that's it You know Go to that Instagram page And follow us At kind of neat And this was St. Panther My name is Lee And this was Kind of neat Peace